If you've got your Bible with you, there's a few different passages. You can see that in your bulletin. Uh, Our main passage is coming from Ezekiel 13. And I just want to say thanks so much for coming out this week. Again, we had quite a bit of snow uh, overnight. And uh, it's to be expected in wintertime in Wisconsin, but that doesn't make it any less treacherous to to go through and any less uh, difficult to deal with. I hope that you're encouraged and instructed and maybe even entertained, perhaps, by what we're hearing from God uh, and his word through echoes of Ezekiel. Now, I wonder, did you know that you can actually listen or even read the message online each week? Yeah, each week I publish my sermon on the church blog page, which the link is on the back of the bulletin if you want to use that to go onto your computer at home. Um, and I also, pod, I also publish the audio on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And I want to give a shout out, actually, to somebody who uh, made a comment after last week's message, and they listen. They say they listen regularly. I'm, I'm sure this would be a surprise. So here's my shout out. Hi, Mom. Yeah, yeah, that's right. My mom let me know that she listened to last week's message and she does every week and I appreciate hearing that. She loved hearing the girls' uh, interaction with the message as they helped me demonstrate something. What was that something that they demonstrated? Well, you're going to have to go back and listen to last week's podcast if you weren't here to find out how they helped me uh, during last week's sermon. But uh, you can you can listen to it there um, Maybe leave me a comment or send me a message and I'll give you a shout out as well. Now, this is a roundabout way to say that there are many ways to access the message each week. In-person services, I'm a little biased. They're my favorite. I love seeing your faces. I appreciate your reaction. It helps as, uh, to know that you're engaged in thinking and, and hearing um, what God is saying to us. Uh, So I'm a little biased on that, but you know what? There are folks who are either sick or they're stuck at home or they're prayer partners with our church and they don't attend here. They attend elsewhere, but they still want to stay connected with us. And so those are great ways to stay engaged with Viroqua Church of the Nazarene uh, is through the podcast or the blog page where you can read the message there. I include some awesome uh, pictures and funny things there too, so you can also... hopefully be entertained and engaged with that. Now, last week we looked at Ezekiel doing some more crazy stuff. A couple weeks ago, he was making a campfire out of something I don't want to talk about, but, and I rolled around on the floor. So you missed that. I know you did. Uh, Last week, however, he, he did some crazy stuff. And why? Because God told him to. He grabs all his stuff and he puts, puts it in a bag, in a pack, He slings that over his shoulder and he digs a hole through the city wall and he leaves through that hole as if he's sneaking away. He's doing this in plain sight of everybody because God told him to. He's supposed to make a spectacle of this. God gave Ezekiel specific instructions to send a specific message to the people. Sometimes these instructions were hard for him to follow and other times Ezekiel just looks silly. But either way, he obeyed God and God kept the hits coming. Today is no exception. Today, we look at what might be your favorite, favorite idiom and mine if you actually take the time to rank idioms in your life. The idiom or expression is to whitewash. Now, through three passages, two of them are from Ezekiel and the others from the New Testament, I hope to show the use of this word and what people were doing to earn this 
slanderous accusation, because that's what it gets used for. Spoiler alert. We'll see how people were being deceptive, how people concealed the truth. And then finally, a combination of the both where lawlessness was taking over, where the people changed the rules, so, and then they so committed perjury and accessory to murder, if you believe that. And I know, heavy stuff, I'll admit it. The prophets never went around with the easy messages. They never went around asking and, and tell, telling people they should consider, you know, cutting out carbs in their life if they wanted to live longer or get a little bit more exercise. They weren't known for giving settled best life now type of advice. People had a big problem and the prophets were called to point it out with the hope that heart change would happen, if not for all, for some. So let's look at Ezekiel chapter 13, verses 1 through 12 for starters. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are now prophesying. Say to those who prophesy out of their own imagination, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Your prophets, O Israel, are like jackals among ruins. You have not gone up to the breaks in the wall to repair it for the house of, of Israel so that it will stand firm in the battle on the day of the Lord. Their visions are false and their divinations are a lie. They say the Lord declares when the Lord has not sent them, yet they expect their words to be fulfilled. Have you not seen false visions and uttered lying divinations when you say the Lord declares, though I have not spoken? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Because your false words and lying visions, because of your false words and lying visions, I am against you, declares the sovereign Lord. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and utter lying divinations. They will not belong to the council of my people or be listed in the records of the house of Israel, nor will they enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the sovereign Lord because they lead my people astray, saying, Peace, when there is no peace, and because when a flimsy wall is built, they cover it with whitewash. Therefore, tell those who cover it with whitewash that it is going to fall. Rain will come in torrents, and I will send hailstones hurtling down, and violent winds will burst forth. When the wall collapses, will people not ask, Where's the whitewash you covered it up, uh, covered it with? Okay, let's pause right there. We will pick back up in 13, but let's, let's pause right there to look at this first topic of deception. Deception. And you do have a little bit of fill in the blanks in your bulletin if that helps you follow along. So first off, the false prophets are being called out for not speaking the truth. For not speaking the truth. Question for you. And it's a convoluted question, so follow me here because I worded it weird. But do you like it when people lie to you when you know they're lying? Would you like someone to lie to you, I guess is another way to put it. Uh, I, there are certain lies that maybe they're intended to comfort us, to make us feel safe, to calm us down so that we don't get so upset. No, 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 no. You look very nice in that. Plaids and stripes are very in this year. Well, perhaps 
Like the people hearing this message from the false prophets in Ezekiel, maybe they don't know these prophets aren't from God. So maybe that's not on them. So they go along with it. Ignorance is bliss kind of a situation. Well, I'm sure it wouldn't be too hard to put yourself in their sandals. People in power and position lie and mislead people frequently. They're less likely caught and held to account, but some are, and that's how we know it's happening in the world. So the prophets are leading people astray, giving them a false sense of security, a false sense of security. They say the wall is safe. The wall is safe. You don't need to be concerned. And the Lord, through Ezekiel, gives clear warning to these prophets. You will be found out. When you are met with the calamity the Lord will bring, the people will wonder why the whitewash didn't stick. The happy story of safety in this situation is a fairy tale. It is why the flimsy wall fell over like so much cardboard in a rainstorm. It was flimsy and, just, and, and it was just for show. I do have a cardboard demonstration over here. Uh, literal cardboard, right? Um, y'all know I work at the co-op and sometimes you got to take the trash out. Lots and lots of cardboard, paper, and things like that. Um, sometimes you have to do it in the rain and snow. You do that in the rain. The cardboard's all flimsy and you're trying to get it in your recycling dumpster and it's just like, oh, it's mush. It's gross. This is disgusting. You want to wait until, you can, until it's not raining. But I'm picturing this flimsy wall as a piece of cardboard and these torrents of rain are coming down. And the best that these prophets can do is their, their little lie of safety and they whitewash it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little whitewash painting demonstration here in the next little segment, but I just wanna set that up. We've got two types of wall. They're both made of cardboard, but you can see them here. We've got a brick up at the top and we've got the uh, friendly picket fence. Perhaps you're you've experienced before. I know Mark Twain was one of the most famous uh, uh, uses of whitewash in American writing was when Tom Sawyer tricked somebody into whitewashing a fence for him. All, all very exciting. Oh, I wish I could whitewash a, a fence every day. A boy doesn't get a chance to whitewash a fence. Uh, and he tricks his friend into doing a chore for him. Um, But that's beside the point. We've got a brick wall. We've got a picket fence. Little demonstration of their flimsiness there. This passage, there is actual peace and safety, though, not from a flimsy wall, but from the Lord. We can count on his peace and safety and comfort in him. But you've got to test the spirit of that message. So you can't just take the prophet's word for their worth. And we've talked a lot about that here. Uh, Don't take just whatever I say at face value without searching out the scriptures yourself, without praying, without asking the Holy Spirit for guidance. That's why we do what we do here in service. But this passage, it's not necessarily about what they're doing what they're whitewashing, but it's actually about the consequences for the false prophets, their deception, and their deception was criminal. Let's look at verse 13. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. In my wrath, I will unleash a violent wind, and in my anger, hailstones and torrents of rain will fall with destructive fury. I will tear down the wall you have covered with whitewash, 
and will level it to the ground so that, it, so that its foundations will be laid bare. When it falls, you will be destroyed in it, and you will know that I am the Lord. So I will spend my wrath against the wall and against those who covered it with whitewash. I will say to you, the wall is gone, and so are those who whitewashed it. Those prophets of Israel who prophesied to Jerusalem and saw visions of peace for, their, uh, for her when there was no peace, declares the sovereign Lord. So the false prophets are the same, come to the same end as their whitewash. Both will be no more. So that's deception. That's deception. We're going to move on to concealment. But before we do, again, I want to look over here at this, at this cardboard demonstration, if you will. I have uh, white paint. This is not... This is not whitewash, but my best interpretation of whitewash today. I've got a container of water, and I'm going to be very careful because I'm doing this on the pulpit, <laughs> and a little bit of tempera paint. And I'm going to just put, a, it was dry, it's okay, put a couple little dabs of water in there, of dabs of water, dabs of paint in the water, and I've got this big old paintbrush, all right? And um, we're going to get to this here in a moment, but it wasn't white paint that they were using. It wasn't white paint that was white wash. It was a mixture of water and lime is the oldest version and interpretation of what whitewash is. It's very thin, very cheap, by the way, so it was affordable. And it was easy for people to apply. In fact, as we see in Mark Twain's example of Tom Sawyer, a child could do it. That was what it was also known for, was this ease of use. And so, this is also why I have paper there. <laughs> if you whitewash something, clearly, cardboard's going to soak it in. And I didn't use enough paint here. But you get the picture. This whitewash soaks into the surface covers it over, and if you've ever seen a brick house or a, sur a surface that's been whitewashed, it kind of looks bright and pretty. We'll get into that here in a moment. But it conceals. And let's look at Jesus talking about whitewash in Matthew 23, 27 through 28. Now, this is just a snippet of a larger, uh, larger story, a larger rebuke. We're going to get in, uh, we'll talk about here, but let's just start at verse 27. It says, woe to you, Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you were like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So again, to whitewash is an idiom, and it's grounded in this very real, relatable thing. Actual whitewash. Um, whitewash is when you paint or cover over with a liquid whitening agent uh, over some sort of surface. A lot of times it's brick, but again, could be wood, could be picket fence. Uh, I want to share this. Uh, countryliving.com, uh, Jessica Lee Mattern uh, said this about whitewash. The liquid's main ingredient, lime, worked as a 
I learned something here, by the way. It worked as a disinfectant, an odor disguiser, an insect repellent, and was used all over farms for different purposes. It especially came in handy for preventing mildew from growing on homes located in hot and moist regions. The liquid's mild antibacterial properties also made it a popular choice for dairy farms. Though the, though the height of whitewash came, at least here in the U.S., at the colonial times, pre-U.S., it, was, uh, it has been around for even longer than that, of course, because it was common. It was a very good idiom or metaphor for concealing. Concealing what? Concealing flaws and weaknesses. When somebody whitewashes something, they're concealing a flaw or a weakness. Or in more extreme cases, they're concealing intentional wrongdoing, malice, and sin. How is whitewash used today? Well, it's actually made popular once again by the, the big remodeling people. If you've heard the Gaines family, we talked about uh, Demo Day and, and Chip running through a wall. Same couple made whitewash popular uh, again, and, and farmhouse chic is actually the style in which they uh, usually remodel people's houses, and they use this on brick and internally and externally as well. Uh, but it has had historically an influence on home and uh, facilities painting. I mean, look around the room, right? We have white walls, we have white ceiling. What does that do? Is it just because that was the cheapest paint we could find at the time? No, what we get from uh, Whitewash is actually, it, it allows more light to reflect off of the, the inside place. So before too much electricity was in, uh, installed in farmhouses and things like that, wherever it was used internally, the, the light of day coming in through the windows reflecting off of the white paint uh, brings more light into a room, makes it easier to see. It also, because of that fact, makes the room look bigger, appears bigger. You can measure it all you want in the dark or in the light. It's the same size. But to our eyes, we feel like it's more open and bigger. Um, this is why if you've ever been to an apartment room or a hotel room, generally, and they're not that big of a size, right? Most of them aren't. They're going to have a lighter color paint for wall. Um, and that is that same idea that it makes the room look bigger without actually being bigger. So we have, we have whitewash to thank for that because that was one of the uh, impacts that it had on painting techniques for buildings. So these references in scripture are so relatable, in fact, to the way that we actually engage this phrase or metaphor today. One of the most constant in-your-face examples is actually political use of whitewashing. Politicians gloss over the negatives or weaknesses of their bills or policies by overemphasizing the positives and downplaying or ignoring completely any of its possible flaws. They just paint it over. Now, that we hopefully have a better understanding of what real whitewash is, and how the expression is used, let's look back at Jesus' rebuke of the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. He rebukes the religiously self-important. Religiously self-important. He says this, you are like whitewashed tombs. Now, if you're an English literature fan, you know that Jesus uses a simile there, a comparison using like or as. 
And maybe you think it's a strange idea that anyone would want to whitewash a tomb or brighten up a tomb. But did you know that pharaohs had been known for use, having whitewashed tombs? Sometimes the burial chambers were washed with the limestone and water mixture, making it more sterile environment, possibly the same idea that light, that light uh, reflection. You know, you've got torch or candlelight inside there, and it brightens it up. But Jesus here is talking about the outside of the tomb, not the inside. The outside. Whitewash here, again, is just for show. Whitewash is just for show. It makes the appearance of the tomb look more pleasant. It can help preserve it. Sure, preserve the, preserve the, the structure, but it doesn't change what's on the inside. It doesn't change what's on the inside. And what is on the inside? Death, uncleanness, hypocrisy, wickedness. It's not going to change any of that. These folks were outwardly righteous, but they were lying. They were living with their inwardly life, sinful, hypocritical, and wicked. So whitewashing, deception, concealment. What happens when these guys get together? We've got a lawlessness situation. We have perjury or accessory. I'm going to say that word wrong. (laughs) It's hard. Let's move back to the book of Ezekiel real quick. Chapter 22, verses 27 through 29. This is several chapters down the line, but it sounds like the false prophets didn't get the message that we heard earlier in chapter 13. They find themselves doing a combination of concealment and deception, which leads to these specific acts of lawlessness. Verse 27. Her officials within her are like wolves tearing their prey. They shed blood and kill people to make unjust gain. Her prophets whitewash these deeds for them by false visions and lying divinations. They say this is what the sovereign Lord says when the Lord has not spoken. The people of the land practice extortion and commit robbery. They oppress the people and the needy and mistreat the foreigner, denying them justice. So first of all, we're confronted with a couple different areas of badness, for lack of a better term. We're confronted with the wickedness of the people of Jerusalem, the leaders. They're into murder for profit. (laughs) I mean, who would do such a thing? Think about it. Who would do such a thing? Sacrificing others' lives for their own benefit? Who would do that? Can you think of people, organizations who do this and they're not rebuked or stopped? Don't say it out loud, but just keep that in the back of your mind. Now, the prophets, if they really were from God, they had one job. They had one job, (laughs) and it was to rebuke. When they saw something that wasn't okay with God, they had to call it out. Stand up and say, this is not okay. It needs to stop. But that's not what we get here. The prophets, what do they do? They whitewash. They cover up or run interference to cover the evil deeds of the people. What would, and I started wondering, what would that look like? How would you even express that? And the only logical kind of hypothetical conversation or statement I could get from them is this. Oh, okay. Hey, hey, announcement, everybody. Prophets, false prophets stand up. 
Uh, okay, God said it was okay for these people to extort, rob, oppress the poor and needy, mistreat the foreigner. He's totally on board with that. You know, in fact, it's, it's, it's not their fault they're doing this. They've had a really hard life. Of course, you know and I know that God is not okay with any of that stuff. He is not okay with that. But the prophets, they had to stand up and say lies, if you will, to cover somebody else's misdeeds, their wickedness. And the, the interesting thing is, is you cannot whitewash things like this so much that God can't see it. He knows what's truly there. So how do we get to accessory and perjury? Well, perjury happens when you swear an oath to tell the truth and you instead willfully make a false statement. You, you, you swear an oath to tell the truth and you willfully make a false statement. This is usually only considered uh, viable during a judicial proceeding, but go with me on this one. When you invoke God's name by saying, he said something, you are using the highest oath you can. It's just my opinion on this, but you might as well be on the witness stand at that point. You say, God said this, it should hold water. So, the nature of their claim is a solemn oath. In willfully making a false claim, which is what the prophets did, they perjured themselves. Accessory might be an easier thing for us to wrap our minds around. Here you have officials and people of Jerusalem killing people to make unjust gain. Murder for profit and the prophets, spelled differently, cover up for the murderers. The one trump card that they have is that the people believe that they speak for God. And so that's what they do. And they do it for their own benefit. Accessory to murder. So their whitewash covers others' wrongdoing. And in the name and the power of God, and guess what? It's all a lie. Now it might be a bit of a straightforward conclusion to today's message. From my observations, I want to share three things with you that I got out of these whitewashed stories. And like with any message you ever hear, I hope that you listen to the spirits leading in your own heart. Yeah, maybe I want us to get to a certain place. I feel like the scripture is clearly saying this, but there could be some practical application that I can't even know in your own life. But here are three things that I think we can get out of these whitewashed stories today, these echoes from Ezekiel. Number one, don't lie about safety just to make people feel better. Don't lie about safety just to make people feel better. Or on the other side of the coin, don't lie about danger just to scare people and control them. Don't lie about danger just to scare people and control them. For Jerusalem, they needed to know bad times were coming. The lies were flimsy. They were whitewashed pieces of Cardboard, blown away in the wind and the weather. They would be revealed in the end. The whitewash would be gone. So don't lie. Number two, don't pretend to be something that you're not. The Pharisees looked good on the outside. They were very religious, very whitewashed, wore all the right clothes, had big phylacteries and intricate tassels on their prayer shawls, 
went and prayed at all the right times, very publicly, looking clean and righteous, but they didn't have life inside them. They were full of death, hypocrisy, and uncleanness. So don't lie, don't pretend, and don't cover up for someone else's wrongdoings. Don't cover for someone else's wrongdoings. When you cover for a murderer, whitewashing what they did, you become an accessory to murder. Maybe bringing God into the mix and putting your words, putting his words in your mouth, you give false statements and perjure yourself. How does that last one really apply? What kind of, what kind of things are we being accepting of in our world today? Are we covering for someone else's wrongdoings or are we calling it out? God is not okay with that. That's what we ought to be doing. Not covering for sin, not covering and excusing it as if it's acceptable, but saying, you know what? It's not okay what's going on here. Here's what God really wants in our situation and tell the truth. So help you, God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the message that you have spoken through Ezekiel. Thank you for communicating very clearly, but yet in a way that's very visual, I guess I would say, to the people who originally heard it and saw it. And today as we contemplate this concept of whitewash, this metaphor, idiom, but yet this real thing that is used in day-to-day life still, I pray that it would sink into our hearts to cover over, to cover over without cleansing. It's still there. You could still see it. To whitewash a tomb, it's still full of dead man's bones. To cover for somebody who is doing something wrong and saying God is okay with it is not okay. I pray that you would convict us, make us strong, help us to know from you and be bold to speak from you. We pray that you would help us not to whitewash flimsy pieces of cardboard to pretend there's safety when there's not, to pretend things are okay with you when they're really not. Help us to confront the problems of this world, to do so under your guidance and your authority, and to always bring them at your feet, because we don't have all the answers, but we know the one who does. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.